It's great to have you here. It's a wonderful day to be with the church together, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes it is. Uh, I want to welcome you here to our worship. And uh, I just want to say I'm really excited. We got a, a new sermon series that we're uh, in the middle of about three weeks in. It's called A New Look at Some Old Stories. Um, it's good stuff. We, we're digging into some of the uh, Old Testament stories you don't hear too often. Um, we, we learned about Genesis 1 and we learned about uh, a, a kind of obscure story from Exodus last week. You remember uh, Moses was having his hands held up by Aaron and her. Um, this one's a little bit more familiar than that. I, I never saw that movie, but uh, you might have seen the movie that is associated with this story. Uh, today we're talking about the Ten Plagues. Uh, has anybody ever seen uh, Charleston Heston in the Ten Commandments? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm relying heavily on you to help me with this sermon, because this is a story you all know. And so uh, I, I honestly believe that a sermon should be a journey that we walk together. We discover uh, what is in this book together, uh, and I feel, I feel like that is uh, the best way that we can do it. So um, if you would uh, join me in prayer, and we can uh, dive into some plagues. How's that sound? <laughs> Heavenly Father. Uh, this is your good word, Lord. This is your good word for us this morning. Uh, this is a difficult word. Uh, as we learn about uh, how you act in the world, sometimes we don't understand. And I pray that uh, you would give us a measure of understanding today, that you would open our hearts to your word, and that by your word uh, that we would be healed. Because we know that is the only way that we will be healed is by your word. Uh, be with us. Uh, be in my mouth today. Be the word that comes out of my mouth. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You mind uh, if I uh, let my guitar do some preaching too? Yeah. can't otherwise. So uh, I, I wanted to sing this song with you and for you today. It's one you might know. Uh, it's an old spiritual, so... When Israel was in Egypt land, let my people go. Pressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go. Go down Moses, way down in Egypt land, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Isn't it true that songs help us tell stories in a way that we couldn't, that we can't otherwise? Um, I, I, I know that this story is a story that we've heard. Um, and a lot of us, we learn it uh, in Sunday school. Uh, there's lots of silly songs associated with this story, too. Um, does anybody learn this song, uh, a song re related to this story in Sunday school or study this in Sunday school? Remember learning this as a kid? Um, I, I learned a song called Feral Feral that was written to the tune of Louie Louie. Louis. Uh, it, it had all these silly actions. And uh, <laughs> it was all well and good, but at the same time, uh, this is a really serious topic. As John said, it's, it's hail and fire from the, from the sky. <laughs> you know, uh, 
There, there's a lot going on here. This is a, a story of great tragedy and triumph. It's a story of great grief and great joy. There's nothing, there's, there's a great number of people that want nothing to do with religion because they think these stories don't relate to their lives. They think, you know, um, what does this have to say about God? And there are other people that are honest, genuine Christians that try really hard to get into the Bible and they read stories like this and they think, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with here and now? And if you're one of these people that has, have tried to read the Bible and you just can't get into it, you just can't get through it, um, I want you to know this is a place where there's no guilt or shame. You know, uh, a lot of Christians feel a lot of guilt and shame about not being able to read the Bible or not doing it enough. And, and this is not about that. But I want you to know that this is a place where you can come and be yourself. And this is a place um, where we can come to be changed. We love you just as you are. But we also love you enough to not leave you that way. <laughs> I love you, Reuben. And I love you, Jesse. And I love Jesse enough that I want Reuben to change. <laughs> so we, we, we want to grow. We want to grow for the sake of us and for the sake of the people around us. So this is about growing together. This is a journey that we're going to walk together. Um, come as you are. Um, let's talk about the story. What do you know about this story? The, what do you know about Moses? What do you know about the Exodus? I, you know, as, in the spirit of this being a journey that we're walking together, feel free to speak up. Where does it start? It's in, in, it's in Egypt, right? The people of God are in Egypt. The people of Israel are in Egypt. Why, why are the people of Israel in Egypt? This is Israel's story. They're slaves. They're slaves, right? What else? Who's the main character? Pharaoh. Pharaoh, Pharaoh and Moses. So we, it's, it's like this, this great battle, right? You, you have Pharaoh and Moses going at it in ten rounds. It's like, it's like a boxing match, kind of. right? What else? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Is there anything in the reading that you found offensive or um, challenging? Is there anything that you that really stuck out at you that you didn't understand that you want to talk about? Well, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. So that his glory could be revealed. That's hard. You know, um, I that's a challenging thing for me to think that that God would harden somebody's heart so that his glory would be revealed. You know, is that, is that something that is challenging for you? Is that something that you're, you're okay with? <laughs> you know... Right, all the crops are destroyed by hail. And, yeah. yeah, and it's not their fault. Yeah. So, and and it, it talks about the animals being killed along with the people. It's not the animals' fault, is it? No. So what, what's... What's going on here? Is this, is this the kind of God that we think about, that we want to think about? I think, this, I think God presents himself in a way that challenges that challenges us to think about God in a new way. You know, I, I think about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Um, and, and if you look, it alternates, it changes. Sometimes it talks about Pharaoh hardening his own heart. In, in the scripture we read today, it talks about Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's heart being hardened by himself. In the other passages, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's, it's, it's both. And I, and I think that we, we can see in that that God um, 
is not a tyrant that is controlling Pharaoh. But at the same time, Pharaoh's not totally free. It's, it's, it's a combination of both. It's not like God has his hands off and he just lets you do whatever you want. But it's not like God's controlling everything like a puppet master either. It's something in between. And, and I, one of the ways I heard it explained was if you, if you put your boat uh, in the river and you, and you keep it where the, the river's not flowing very fast, it's easy to control. But if you put your boat out in the middle of the river and the river carries you away, it's your fault for putting your boat out there. But at some point, there's no turning back. Yeah. You know, we had, most of our lives, uh, we're stuck in the rut to where mm-hmm. we're used to doing the same things all the time. Yeah. And we, he wants us to be able to be used to change. And then the longer you're stuck in that rut, the harder it is. <laughs> I, I know. So uh, I, I think that there's a lot that challenges us in this story. Moses was born into slavery. This is one of the wealthiest empires of all time. And, and the people left... To that, to that land because they were living in famine. They were, in ho- they were going in hopes of making their life better, and then they end up in slavery. <laughs> they were immigrants into Pharaoh's land. Uh, Pharaoh was acting out of fear. I think that's one of the themes here. Pharaoh was acting out of fear, and, and the Israelites are called to act out of faith. How many times have you seen a ruler of a country act out of fear, and how has that gone? <laughs> You know, it happens over and over again in history. It's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. The, pe- the German people were afraid of the, the Jews. And, and so they, Hitler fed on that fear, and he used it to his benefit. And you see the exact same thing happen in Germany that happened in Israel. He, they, were, they were trying to exterminate the Jews. Pharaoh was born into slavery, but at the time, what was Pharaoh doing to the babies? He was killing all the male babies so that, so that eventually, after all the babies died, there would be no more lineage for the Jewish people. This is really harsh stuff. And, and to think about it um, this way kind of ruins all those kids' songs that I learned. <laughs> you know, but it, I think this is really important because it helps us answer questions that, that are, are, deep, are deeper than those, those songs could answer. And I think that it helps us see God in a, in a clearer way. Um, and that, that's not easy. But because we're doing, on this journey together, I think we can do it. So Pharaoh lived in fear. Look at Exodus uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Pharaoh said to his people, Look at the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, war breaks out. And they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from their country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crutching labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for their king. But the more the, Israel, the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more... Uh, and the more the alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless with all their demands. Pharaoh lived in fear. But, but uh, Moses' mom lived in faith. 
She, had, she conceived a son, and she, when it came time to give birth, she hid him. She hid her son from the Pharaoh. And, and, and it says uh, in there that when Moses' mom looked at him, she saw that he was beautiful. The word for beautiful is, is the Hebrew word for, it's called tov. And uh, it's, it's the, when you hear people say mazel tov, tov is the word they're saying. So um, tov is also the word that's used in Genesis 1. When John talked a couple weeks ago about Genesis 1, he talked about how creation is good. Creation is very good. The word for good, tov, is the same word that Moses' mom used when, he, when she sees her, her son for the first time. Isn't that beautiful? She says, ah, oh, tov. She sighs it. In, in the same way that God did, when God saw creation, the word that comes out of his mouth is tov. Imagine the heartbreak of her mother when she takes this beautiful baby and she puts him in a basket and sends him down the river. Imagine how hard that would be to take your beautiful three-month-old baby and just let him go, knowing that if you don't let him go, the only thing for him is death. Imagine that faith. We need not always weep and moan Let my people go Where these slavery chains for long Let my people go Go down Moses Way down in Israel Pharaoh Let my people go Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Shares her heartbreak. God shares the heartbreak of that mother. He says, This is my firstborn son. He says, Israel is my firstborn son, and he shares her heartbreak. So, so what does God do? God's not going to stand by and let all these things happen. God shares her heartbreak. God, God's heart breaks for these people that are in slavery. This is not the story of the Israelites versus the Egyptians, or the Israelites versus Pharaoh. This is the story of God's kingship. This is the story of God at work in the world. This is the story of God working to make things right. You know, it's not a tyrant God that comes down and is oppressing innocent people. This is a system that is created, that is built on, on the oppression of the people. The, the, the wealth that, that Egypt had was built on the backs of the Israelite people. This is a God who will not sit by and let these things happen. This is a God that stands for what's right. This is a God that says enough is enough. And God tells Moses, this you shall say to Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son. God's saying, get your hands off of my son. Think of yourself as a father and think of your son as being persecuted this way. It helps you understand a little bit of how God is acting.
God told Moses what to do Let my people go Lead the children of Israel through Let my people go Go down Moses Way down in Israel land. Tell Pharaoh To let my people go So God plagues. Do you remember what the plagues were? What are some of the plagues? Yeah, the river's blood, locusts, boils, frogs. That's a weird one, frogs. <laughs> they start out kind of annoying like frogs. This is the second one. And they move to be more and more serious as it goes. The first one's blood. And the, the significance is that, that for Egypt, the, the lifeblood of, of their land, the, the, the real prosperity of their land came through, through the Nile. Right? This country would be totally desert if it wasn't for the Nile. So then God turns the river to blood. The, the, all the plagues, the first nine, are, are, are natural things, right? They're natural things happening in unnatural ways. I think that's really important. And what, what happened was the, um, the Egyptian religion was based on, on these natural things. They, they believed that the magic was a natural thing, just like gravity is a natural thing. So God is saying to these people, look, you think your God causes these natural things? Look what I'm causing. I'm the God who created these things. This isn't... This isn't um, your God, it's like, it's like a battle between the gods, and they're battling over the, the hearts of the people. God, God is causing these plagues, and that's a really hard thing. What does this mean? Is God love? Right? The scripture tells us God is love. Why is God causing these things? Is this the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God? No, this is the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is standing up for his people. What, what is the, uh, where does this leave us? What does this say about God? Why does God do these things? This is one of the really hard questions we have to ask ourselves. This is the questions that we were asking at the beginning. God has the power. God, God's changing things. And, and I think that's really important. Job, the book of Job, he, 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 uh, he right. And, he, and he's railing against God throughout the book, saying, why are you doing these things to me? And, and God doesn't answer why. And in and, and Job 38, he says, here, as, as Job asks why, he asks all these same questions. Um, Job, um, let's see, where is it? You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and when Job asks these questions, why? God doesn't answer. What God says, he points to the things that he's done. He points to the things that he is. He says, I have some questions for you, Job, and I want some straight answers. This is from Job 38 in the message translation. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much, who decides? Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and measurements? How was it that it was founded and poured? Who has set the cornerstone? 
while the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted in praise? And who took charge of the ocean? And when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb, that was me. God says that was me. And you're right. God has the power. God has the power to, to do these things. God has the power to change. God has the power to change the world. So, um, God stands as a testament. Every sign in these plagues stands as a testament to the reign of God. It's, it's, it's a testament to, the, to Egypt. He's calling out to Egypt and saying, Look, this is my reign. This is my world. This is not the world of your gods. So, the blood in the Nile signifies uh, that God is in control. The, the plagues point to Genesis 1. God created everything by speaking, and by speaking through Moses, it's almost as if God is willing to uncreate for a little while everything that he's created so that they can see that God is in control. God does not have a heart for destroying. God is not about destruction. God kills the, first, uh, the firstborn of man and beast as a sign so that they will know. So they will know God is in control. God told Moses, I am bringing one more plague on Pharaoh. And after that, not only will they not let you go, they will drive you out. <laughs> they will give you their riches. They will pour out their riches on you. The, the plagues are about knowing God. And that's, that's a really hard thing for us to understand because we don't want to think of a God that causes plagues. But when you look at the oppression that God was up against, it's comforting to know that God is, God is acting in the world. In the midst of oppression, God is acting. Then the Lord said to Moses, Return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials so that I can display my miraculous signs among them. I've also done, done it so you can tell your children and grandchildren about how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and about the signs I displayed among them, and so you will know that I am the Lord. What we learn about God from these plagues, we learn that God is not safe. A couple of weeks ago, John uses an illustration, a clip from um, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. And, and one of my favorite quotes from that book is uh, about, it's from one of the uh, children's talking to Mr. Beaver, who happens to be a beaver, I guess uh, C.S. Lewis doesn't get any creativity points for naming the beaver Mr. Beaver. So he, uh, and, and Mr. Beaver tells Lucy that Aslan is a lion. And she says, oh, I'd be, I thought he was a man. He is? Quite, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Mr. Beaver. Make no mistake. If anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver or more silly than most. Then he isn't safe, Lucy says. No, he's not safe. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And we have this God that is not safe, but a, a God that is good. If God was safe, God could not help you in your situation. But we have a God that does help you in your situation. God is not safe, but God is good. 
God is good as he stands with his children. God is good when he stands with the poor and oppressed. God is dangerous because he has the power to change, the power to change this world, the power to make things right. God is good, and he says to his children, don't lose hope. God is good when there's nothing good in us. He's bringing light into the darkness. God is good. His goodness is seen even in the plagues. Do you struggle with that? I really do. Why, God? And, and it goes back to where we were talking about Job. The last plague, God is revealing his, his, his reign, not only to the Egyptians, but this is the plague that's given as a sign to the Israelites. The last plague is about God giving himself to the people. You think about that, God giving himself. Moses went down to Egypt's land to let my people go To make the Pharaoh understand Let my people go Go down Moses Way down in Egypt lay And tell Pharaoh To let my people go the angels of death are passing by my door Let my people go I've marked by the blood and need fear no more Let my people go Go down Moses Way down in Egypt lay Tell Pharaoh Let my people go let us all from bondage flee Let my people go Let us all in Christ be free Let my people go Go down Moses Way down in Egypt lay Tell Pharaoh Let my people go This plague is the beginning of Passover. You might know Passover is one of the most important feasts in the Jewish calendar. It's called Passover because the, the, the angel of death passed over the Israelites. To this day, the Jews celebrate this feast. It's a solemn remembrance of the slavery that they have experienced and the deliverance that they've got. It's the vigil it's hopeful watching for the future. It's somber remembrance of the past. It's looking for the deliverance to come. At twilight, they sacrifice the lamb, not breaking any of its bones. And with the blood, they mark their doors. They mark it in remembrance of the promise that was given, even though things are hard, even though they don't understand why God does what God does. They believe in the promise, and they rest in the promise. They eat the meal in haste. They eat the meal knowing that God is coming to deliver them. They eat with their sandals tied. They eat with their staff in their hand. They eat bitter herbs dipped in salt water to remember the bitterness and tears of their slavery. They eat unleavened bread because they couldn't wait for their bread to rise. 
This is the very meal that Jesus Christ was sharing with his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. He took the bread. It's scored. It's perforated. Just like his body was. And he says, this bread is my body given for you. In the Passover tradition, three pieces of bread are put together and one of the pieces are broken and then it's hidden for a bit and then taken back out. Jesus says, this is my body. The bread is hidden and taken back out. Jesus says, this is my body and it was broken for you and take and eat this. When you eat this Passover remembrance, do it in remembrance of me. And at the end of the meal, he took the cup In the Passover, the last cup of four is called the cup of salvation. Jesus says, take this cup of hope. Take this cup of hope of the salvation to come and drink it in remembrance of me. This cup is a new covenant in my blood given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. From now on when you drink, think of me. Jesus is telling us that he is the Passover lamb. When Jesus was baptized... The voice of God came down. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. It was probably the same word, tov. The same word that that Moses' mother spoke when she looked on the face of her son. God says, this is my son. God says, this is good. This is beautiful. Jesus is telling us that he is the Passover lamb. He is the firstborn who has died on our behalf. The, The death of the firstborn points the firstborn of all creation, Jesus Christ, who died on our behalf, so that by his marks, by his blood, we would be healed. By his blood, the Passover is for us. Hear the gospel today. You are marked with the blood of Christ. And in his death, death itself passes over you. Your sins are forgiven. He has died so that you can live his life. Amen.